Hi everyone, welcome to the AI of Mankind show, where I share anything interesting about mankind. I'm your host for this season. My name is Andrew Liu. I've worked across four continents and 12 international cities. Also, I've worked in tech startups across a range of roles from selling products, making customer happy, figuring out fundraising, making finance tick, building teams, and developing sticky products. Apart from building startups, I've also worked in Fortune 500 companies as a chief data scientist or technologist or people leader. You can call me jack of all trades or master of learning. I hope to make this podcast show a great learning experience for us. In each season, there is a series of interesting things where I invite guests to share their views about their life and interests. Now let the show begin. In the previous episode, we ventured into a rich discussion with Sagar Khatri, CEO of Multiplier, highlighting the seismic shift happening in the world of work. Sagar emphasized how the COVID-19 pandemic has not only propelled us towards remote and global hiring, but also placed the power squarely in the hands of talent. We learned about the game-changing tool that revolutionizes hiring globally in mere seconds and had a bold vision where AI transforms business efficiency while empowering humans to upskill and thrive in new roles. As we transition into this episode, we continue our enlightening journey with Sagar as he explores the future of education, one that is heavily geared towards actual job skills rather than broad subjects. We delve into how digitalization is transforming job markets and changing our approach to learning and professional development. We also discuss why successful companies are prioritizing both customer and employee centricity and learn about how platforms like Slack are revolutionizing communication within the corporate sphere. The conversation promises to be compelling and insightful. Let's continue. Do you see that Multiplier will eventually create a, a virtual assistant to help a business owner or management to skill very effectively to say that, oh, we forecast that you're probably going to uh, need to hire 20 people in India out of Singapore and you need this content writer from these skills and this guy who knows JavaScript. Do you foresee that and what is your take on that? To discuss it at a very high level, you recently would have definitely followed the all the capital that has flown into edtech space. Yes. I fundamentally believe that the learning will shift away from subject-oriented learning to skill set-oriented learning. I was in the beginning of the podcast, I was just joking that hey, I studied engineering, but I started my career as a banking, uh, as a banker, and so does, so did uh, many of my friends. Yes. In this digital first world where you don't need to be in a physical classroom to have access, you can be anywhere in the world and can still access the best learnings, the entire narrative will shift from subject-based learning to job-based learning. Look at the Indian startups, look at Scalar Academy, another Sequoia portfolio. They are doing fantastically well. They pick up people from different walks of life, train them for a year or so, and then they are ready to start working in some of the biggest firms such as Amazon, Facebook, and software engineers. And this phenomena has started only from software engineers because they are the most in demand and the least in supply. But it will touch every aspect of your life where you will have a Scalar Academy or a Lambda School for marketing folks, for accounting folks, for sales folks, where from day one, you wouldn't study physics, maths or engineering or let's say be taken civil and so on and so forth. But you would say you would learn how to be a performance marketer in a targeted setting. 
So that is what is very exciting for me, and that's where I think once we're done with this payroll and compliance stuff and payment stuff, one thing that really excites me is this upfilling of people. And today, obviously, a lot of good companies are doing that, and I see that. Obviously, investors see that as well, and hence a lot of money is flowing. I see that has a very beautiful feature because Andrew, we see a lot of folks who graduate and cannot find a job. Why is that? Because they are called freshers, which have no experience of work. But if in the four years of degree that you have done, if I teach you exactly how to bring a lead to a startup or a company, or I teach you how to write C plus or how to build an app, if the the training is very experience oriented. And job oriented, I think our workforce will be better prepared for what's coming in the future. You also mentioned, apart from the future, you're actually building the 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 future. I see Multiply as building a future because you have uh, managed to solve the compliance, you have the payroll data, you have the local work hours legislation. All you need is just adding that skill sets and capturing it over time when talents renew their contract. And over time, would you be able to see that companies? Using multiplier, able to say, oh, what is the amount of dollars incentive that I can drive them to learn a skill to eventually translate the skill into an organizational outcome to sell a product or make a product to eventually make dollars and cents. What are your thoughts? Again, very interesting question, Andrew. At multiplier, we have an advantage of knowing what kind of skill set is required because we work with closely with companies across so many markets across. The size of the company and industry. We will fast forward it three, four, five years. We would have a pulse on the market. We'll have a pulse on the job market as to what kind of talent or skill set people are seeking. Once we know that, hey, this is where the trends are going. You will need more and more people who can code in React. You will need more and more people who are very, very thorough with digital marketing. We can really go back and help governments, institutions build a future-ready workforce. That's something that really excites me, Andrew. What is the best book that you read about digital transformation and why? Again, I also have mentors in life, and and they keep recommending books to me. And obviously, if you want to be a leader in the business, you have to be hungry. You have to be constantly learning and talk about self improvement. So I, I do read a, a few books, and 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 one that I really enjoyed was by Jim Collins and Bill Lazier, The Beyond Entrepreneurship 2.0. It's a great book for entrepreneurs. I would strongly suggest our audience to read it. Quote unquote, where Jim Collins says, "If you're going to do something entrepreneurial, then you should set out to try to create something truly worthy of lasting that can endure." And our one of our lead investors is Sequoia Capital, who talk about building enduring companies. We do not talk about building profitable companies. We don't talk about building multi-billion. We talk about building enduring companies, which lasts. Right. A company is not an individual; it has to be an enduring institution itself. Here we are in an era of competing IPOs and competing valuations. Something that was once common in only in Silicon Valley today is happening in Southeast Asia, in India, and in Europe. See, success is not really defined by mere numbers or metrics. While it is important to measure uh, the growth of the business, but what really matters is about making that lasting impression, and it's about building something that could last for long. So, really, and, and one of the reasons I partnered with we partnered with Sequoia is their philosophy of building enduring companies. So. Helping build legendary companies. Yeah, talking about this enduring companies, what do you think is the characteristics of an enduring company, Saga? Uh, a few things. An enduring company is built on institutions and not people. Right. I, as a CEO, may be important today. Maybe tomorrow I may not be important. The institutions don't move. So building a extremely functional institution is very important. 
second building a culture where people enjoy to build value for the shareholders value for the customers value for the suppliers becomes extremely important third extremely high quality committed and kind people is very important a really important aspect of a business obviously in today's world we understand that your company needs to be really customer centric i would go one step beyond that i would say you need to be customer centric but you also need to be employee centric that's something which is what i define as enduring wow this is something that i love from you like because it's very unusual for founders to say that it's important to create a institution where kind people are needed to run an organization uh, i have been in organization which the company's sole purpose is to make ruthless profit at all costs but i think that's changing one of the famous uh, founder which is uh, stuart butterfield the founder of slack he always believed that kindness is one of the most important traits and how he is able to again after again from saying flicker to yahoo to now building slack powering billions of companies and messengers to acquire by salesforce to be part of a bigger thing so coming back to this interesting question what is the number one software application that you need every day and why it's funny andrew because you already mentioned this slack is something that we as a company cannot do without we are a fundamentally async organization what that means is we really believe in documenting stuff so you wouldn't see or we don't encourage that you jump on a call for every single thing we believe that people need to work in an async manner and hence writing documenting becomes extremely important and hence slack becomes an extremely important tool honestly if slack goes down the the entire operating system of a distributed company comes to an halt so, so i am extremely aligned with you when you say both carl and stuart has have built crazy companies and they were visionaries right they saw at some point in time async communication will become extremely important and they really need yeah this is also another very unique uh, comment that you make your company really believes in document everything i'm also a believer of uh, documentation mm-hmm. but yet interestingly when i was in a very big companies or startups some of the leaders some would really be so ruthless at agile that they just don't want documentation they like a, a company which i used to work with company and they used to have they are a safety uh, culture and as a safety culture every single thing has to be locked so that when things goes wrong is not a blame who culture but oh, what has happened and can we go back to the lock and and do it of course the flip side is that things gets a little bit slower but the quality of safety as a company remains but ever since when the company decided to say let's be agile and get away with documentation things start to be a bit haywire hi everyone thank you so much for joining us on this enlightening journey we've just wrapped up part 3 with Sagu Khatri CEO of Multiplier where we delve into the future of education and how digitalization is shaking up job markets We explored the idea of shifting from a subject-oriented education to a skill-set-oriented one, and the importance of enduring companies that prioritize customer and employee centricity. Sagar offered us a glimpse into the future of work, highlighting the significance of asynchronous communication tools like Slack in daily operation. As we gear up for part four, we continue our deep dive with Sagar, who will be sharing insights on building an effective remote and global workforce. He underscores the importance of adaptability, cross-functional international teams, and strong communication in a world that's more digital and connected than ever. Sagar will delve into how digital tools are pivotal in fostering an asynchronous work culture. It's a conversation rich with insights, especially for those navigating the remote and global work revolution. Stay tuned. Hi guys. 
Thanks for listening to this podcast. If this is the first time you are tuning in, remember to subscribe to this show. If you have subscribed to this show and love this episode, please share it with your friends, family, and acquaintances. See you later and see you soon. Thank you.